Hey, Kevin here, Skylabs, bringing you another episode. Definitely going to be a fun one. We are going to go over the biggest mistakes we see almost weekly from newer people coming into the hobby, maybe setting up their first hi-fi system. I am guilty of every single one of them on this list. I even did one of them this year. And when we get to that one, I will tell you. I think most people out there can relate to these, as I'm sure we've all done at least some of them. I've even seen some veterans guilty of a few of these recently. They're usually not cheap blunders. If you have one at the end of the list that I didn't bring up, definitely put it in the comments. We've been seeing a lot of growth in the comments. There's some really good conversations happening down there. Uh, unlike the rest of the audio community, it's been very civil. So thank you for that. Help somebody else out by your mistakes because if we're smart, that's how we all learn. And real quick, before we get into the video, I do have to mention we finally got our hats in. We're super excited about these hats. I have used the same hat, which is a Richardson 110 hat. It's a fitted hat in the size large XL. Give one a shot because they are extremely comfortable. They're elastic and I've had a Richardson 110 hat. It's my favorite hat. I've had it for years and the thing is still super comfortable. Really good quality. We had our friends at Snappy Printing embroider these hats. It's got the star logo on it. That's it. And they're all black. So head to skylabsaudio.com forward slash shop. So thanks. Check it out. And jumping into the list, I didn't put these in order, however, I did save the more common ones for later, um, but let's get right into it. One thing we see a lot, people will buy something on eBay, it shows up and it's not as described or it's not working and they take it to a repair shop or they start calling around for a repair. Don't do this, immediately send it back. And the reasoning is, even if the seller tells you they will pay half of the repair bill or they will pay the whole repair bill, most people that sell electronics realize it could be months before you get your quote for repair. And by this time, your eBay warranty is up and you're stuck with the piece and the repair. So if you purchase a piece of electronics on eBay and it doesn't show up exactly the way it's described. Now, if they tell you there's something wrong with it, that's different. But if they described it as working perfectly and it doesn't work the way they described it, send it back. Don't try to negotiate a repair. That's, that's my best advice to you out there if you're going to be shopping on eBay. And the next one, don't buy something that has issues and assume it's going to be an easy fix. You see this all the time on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist and those type of places. People will say, it just needs a new needle. It just needs a deep cleaning. It just needs capacitors. You just don't know. And there might be parts in that particular piece of equipment that are unobtainable. So you have to go into something knowing it could be expensive to repair or not repairable at all. If it's not working correctly, do not pay full market price. You just, you have to buy it knowing you could have two or $300 in repairs for that item. And this next one's kind of hard to explain, but uh, if you get the gist of it, you're good. And that is make sure your speakers are in phase. Make sure your wiring is correct. However you hook your speaker wires 
to your amplifier or receiver, whatever wire, whether it's a red or a black or one wire's got lettering on it and one doesn't, make sure that the positive is the same on the receiver as it is on the speaker. Um, it won't hurt anything if they're reversed. However, it's going to sound bad. You're going to be wondering why it sounds kind of hollow or it doesn't sound good. And most likely it's because your speakers are out of phase. So whatever you have to do to ensure that the positive on the amplifier is going to the positive on the speaker, whether you go off the color of the speaker wire, however you do it, it's just very important. Pay attention to the polarity of your speaker wire. And our next one we see almost daily, I hate to say it, but we see this all the time. People will bring in their turntable for repair and their tone arm is just flapping as they're walking it across the room. So I assume it was that way even when they drove it across town or however far they traveled with it. The best practice really is to always secure your tone arm even if you're just walking it across your living room. If your tone arm rest is broken, put a piece of tape or put a rubber band on it or just hold it in place, do something. But don't let that tone arm just sit there and bounce around and let the cartridge hit the platter and break your stylus. It's very important to secure that tone arm. If you're driving your turntable across town or sending it out, even take the platter off. That is always a good practice too. You never wanna travel with that heavy platter on the turntable spindle. You're just asking for trouble especially depending on the turntable. Some turntables, it doesn't matter, but other turntables, this is very important. It's easy. Pull the platter off, set it next to the turntable, and even if you're moving your turntable just across the room, make sure that tone arm is locked down. It seems really simple, but we see it all the time. You're gonna end up damaging something, pulling wires, damaging your tone arm, ruining your stylus. There's a million things that could happen it only takes a second to secure it. Don't be a lazy bum. Secure the tone arm. Really simple. And the next one is really simple. Keep the liquids away from your electronics. You're holding a drink. You're kind of having a good time. You're standing next to your turntable. You set your drink down on top of your receiver because you want to get a new record out. A pet jumps up or you might bump into the piece of furniture holding that stuff. And this is a recipe for a really bad disaster. The other thing, speaking of pets, don't let your cat sleep on top of your amplifier or receiver. My cat used to love this because she loved anything warm, especially in the winter. And if you're playing your stereo, it is generating heat. And a lot of times I would look up and my cat is literally laying on the vent of the receiver or the amplifier. And it probably felt amazing, but that pet is choking out and overheating your amplifier potential. Keep that in mind. If you have a pet that can jump up or get on top of your amplifier receiver, don't allow them to lay on it. Or you're asking for it to get overheated and then you got a nice repair. Keep the fuzzies off your electronics. Keep your cocktails away from the electronics. I mean, this is a huge one, and that is turntable placement. We get this call all the time from people that just bought their first turntable, and they say, 
I've got a ground issue or something I don't understand. I've got this hum or I've got this rumble that's building. My speakers are moving um, when there's no music coming out. And the first thing I say is, where is the turntable in relation to the speakers? This is so important. I'm guilty of this one. Back in the day, I set my turntable directly on top of my Sirwin Vega AT15s because they are big enough to put a turntable on. And I had the exact same issues with powered monitors being so popular right now. Uh, we're seeing this quite a bit where, you know, it looks nice. You've got this nice table. You've got your two power monitors up there and you got your turntable. The problem with that is those powered monitors are sending bass frequencies down into that piece of furniture and into the turntable and it's building up a low rumble. It's a feedback loop. You have to isolate the turntable from the speakers. I think in this day and age, most people are so used to streaming and digital music that they don't realize that, you know, turntables are super delicate and they're really susceptible to outside frequencies. And this mistake gets made all the time. You have to isolate your turntable. You really want to pick a strategic spot to put the turntable where your speakers are not going to be causing this feedback loop. So just have an idea of how you're going to address that in your room before you buy your system. There are really good isolation feed out there that can help, but really separating the speakers entirely from whatever furniture piece you're setting your turntable on is the best option always. And this is the one I'm guilty of this year. I was having trouble with the receiver. I couldn't tell if it was the turntable or the receiver itself. I reached down, thought I shut the speakers off and I moved the RCA cables from the turntable and it made a really bad pop because that phono preamplifier has so much gain in it. And I don't remember now if I blew a channel in the amplifier or if I just took out some drivers in the speakers I had hooked up, but it was one of the two. And um, it's one of those things, you know, I know better. I need to make sure there's too many buttons on the front of the receiver that could be the speakers on and off and I didn't hit the right button. So if you are making adjustments to your wiring on your amplifier or receiver, double check, make sure it's powered off or make sure the speakers are off. Powering it off is better. Speakers off is still safe. Just make sure you're not going to fry your speakers or your amplifier making silly adjustments to wiring while the unit's powered on. It takes an extra second to shut it off and double check that you're actually shutting it off and not pushing a different button. And this is a question we get quite often at the shop and people will ask, should I buy one of those really expensive surge protectors? I really want to protect my equipment. And the truth of the matter is, as somebody that used to do home theater installation and do service calls, every spring lightning season, we would get half a dozen calls um, with lightning strikes that had taken out equipment. And most of the time they had really expensive surge protectors. And a direct hit with lightning is going to go straight through it and just take out whatever it wants. So as somebody that's in the, I leave my power onto my receiver all the time camp. Um, what I do is if, if it's lightning outside, I unplug my receiver or I unplug any piece of gear that I don't potentially want to lose. My TV don't care about smaller electronics, 
I don't care. My really nice amplifiers and stuff like that, they're getting unplugged because that really is the only way to protect yourself from a lightning strike. So if you can, if it's lightning, if there's a storm, just unplug it because the surge protector is not going to do any bit of good if you take a direct hit. It'll help with a surge, but not a direct lightning strike. So, All right, this next one is so, so, so important. It might be the most important one on the list. And we see it a lot, especially with older vintage equipment. A lot of speakers and a lot of receivers or amplifiers had screw down terminals. And for those of you out there that just don't know a lot about electronics, braided speaker wire, if one of those braids is loose and touching the other wire, either on the back of the receiver or the back of the speakers, you can really cause a lot of damage. And because of the screw down style that they used to use back in the day, it's really easy for this type of mistake to happen. A lot of times people cut way too much shielding off their wire. They're, they're not good about twisting it down. The best thing to do would be to always tin your wires and that's just adding a little bit of solder to the braided copper at the end of the wire or even better, get yourself some spade connectors. That is definitely my recommendation. Uh, it just, it eliminates the problem altogether if you have to braid it, if you're too cheap to buy some spade connectors really, really make sure that those wires are wrapped around and secured. It's really easy to go fumbling back there through the wires. You drop maybe your 45 adapter behind your turntable. You go to reach for it. You bump a speaker wire. The positive goes over to the negative and boom, you've got a smoked amplifier. So really be careful if you're buying vintage equipment with screw down style terminals pay the 20 bucks, get yourself some nice spades and don't risk a potential three, $400 repair on something that could have been avoided with just a couple simple connectors. So be careful with the speaker wire. It is very, very important. Final record storage. Honestly, we could do several videos just on this topic, but it's been beat to death. The only thing I really want to say is if you're out record shopping, do not leave your records in your car directly in the sun. Um, you will warp the records. We've seen it so many times. Um, I've done it myself back when I was young and dumb. I ruined a really expensive German Kiss record when I was like 17 years old because I set it in the back window of my Mustang and you could have made a salsa dip bowl out of it. It was so warped. And I just didn't know, you know, I should have known it's logic, but I didn't. Um, you really have to be careful with those high temperatures and direct sunlight. It's just not good for it. So if you can get it in a bag, get it in the coolest spot of the car. If you do have to do more shopping, just be really careful. You don't want to ruin an expensive record because the sun shifted after you parked and it had a beam of sunlight on it for the last hour and now you've got all these crazy warps in your really nice new record. Just be careful with your records. And the last one on our list, and maybe the reason why I even thought of making this list, because I've seen this two or three times, it just happened last week. 
Unfortunately, we always hear about this when it's a very expensive cartridge and stylus, but it goes like this. I went to wipe off my turntable and the cloth caught the stylus and yanked it off. And I've seen it. I've almost done it myself. I didn't totally yank it off, but it snagged. And I immediately went, <gasps> one of those. And the last guy that this happened to, really nice turntable, just brought it in maybe, maybe a month ago, put this really nice Hannah cartridge on it for him. Um, really nice turntable and a very expensive cartridge. And he literally came back in two weeks later, last week, with another brand new Hannah cartridge. And I installed another one for him because his cleaning lady did exactly what I just said. And he says, my cleaning lady's amazing. Um, it was a mistake. I can't get rid of her. She does a great job. And you can't fault her. I mean, how would she know? You know, she's just doing her job. The main takeaway, though, is, and I always tell people this, or I try to, most styluses and cartridges come with a protector. Hang on to that thing. And if you're going to wipe down your turntable, put that on. Or if you got a detachable head shell, take the head shell off, set it aside, do all your cleaning, and then put that back on. But if anything touches that stylus while you're dusting, um, there's a good chance it's coming off. For those of us out there that have a nice cartridge and a nice stylus, keep the protector. Put it on there when you're not using it. Definitely put it on there when you're cleaning your turntable. I, I felt sick for the guy, you know, but what do you do? So that was our list of the biggest mistakes we see almost on a regular basis. I'm sure you've seen a lot of these, or I'm sure you've done a lot of these. Go check out the new hats on skylabsaudio.com forward slash shop and stay tuned for the next podcast. We'll talk to you in the next one. Thanks. Thanks.